We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. How to win a half a million dollars in the FFPC main event. That's what we've been talking about this week on Stealing Bananas. We've done three episodes already. We are approaching the end of our draft and then getting ready to sort of recap our draft. If you've listened to the other three episodes, you know that we're pretty excited about the roster that we've built. We'll go through all of that in a minute. I'm Ben Gretsch. You can find me on Twitter at Yards Per Gretsch and on Substack at bangreshsubstack.com. With me, as always, is Sean Siegel, who you can find over at Rotoviz. And Sean, we just took Ryan Fitzpatrick as our QB2 at 17.09. Our decision at 18.04, we just got under the clock, includes potentially taking a third quarterback. It does. I'll be pretty interested in taking Mayfield here to see if they come out scorched earth in week one. That combination with Fields would be pretty exciting. But on the same time, I, I think that Ryan Fitzpatrick is more or less a lock. They have a good starting schedule. So we don't need the third QB. It, it's a little bit of a luxury pick. Are you more interested in seeing what the Browns do? Or Jarrett Patterson, Jamar Jefferson, I I really like here. Jefferson, if Swift is actually not okay. And then Alex Collins, I mean, he's even caught some, caught some passes in the early preseason games. We've got 20 seconds. Uh, you have the pick here, the QB, these three running backs, even Ty Johnson, the fourth running back option. <laughs> I'm kind of stumped. Who, who do you like? Let's go with Mayfield so we can see. Yeah, I don't typically take a third QB. I think that's a really interesting – I mean, I often don't take a second. I think it's a really interesting comment, though, especially were Fields to not play for a stretch uh, a little longer than we're hoping – Say he doesn't play till week six or week seven. Say Andy Dalton has a couple good games early. We don't really, I don't necessarily think Matt Nagy is particularly sharp. Now we have these two bets on Fitzpatrick and Mayfield where we can kind of make our decision week one and determine who we want to drop. We might even drop one on, on the waiver run before week one if we, you know, make that, that, that decision. It is an interesting move. But we are close enough to the season now. There's no more preseason games. There probably shouldn't be any more major injuries that would shake up value. I don't think we're really sacrificing a ton with this additional roster spot. I I don't think we are either. And like you mentioned, it's not just that we can make the move after week one. We can make the move before week one. We can go into a little bit more depth in terms of uh, just 
you know, which guy we want to make that bet on. And we can put just, you know, $1 bids in for those three running backs if we decide to go that direction. Now, you know, hopefully not too many listeners are in this league and, and we'll go over us with two for those guys. But the running backs, interesting picks here. And I, I don't know, I, I guess the main takeaway is just that really Kyler Murray and Lamar Jackson are the only QBs that I'm looking at before the very, very late rounds, because I think you have so much upside to, I mean, one of the things here again, is you can play matchups with Mayfield and Fitzpatrick such that you score a lot of points. If the Browns do what we think they're going to do, if they're not, then obviously you can cut him. You can go to someone like a Zach Wilson. It'll be interesting to see what they do. Is Zach Wilson going to get some rushing value to juice his passing stats just a little bit? I think so. I mean, he, he was a little bit mobile in college. And I mean, he looked good as a passer in, in the preseason. I think broadly the Jets are undervalued across the board. I think their offense is so different. Their whole system is going to be different. Their players are going to be different. I mean, maybe the offensive line and those types of things won't necessarily be completely different. But it's really easy to sort of, at this stage in the preseason, lean on this idea that the Jets have been bad for a long time. At the same time, I mean, it, it, it's almost become cliche to say that when Adam Gase leaves a team or a player leaves Adam, uh, you know, from playing underneath Adam Gase, things go <laughs> go more positively. And so it's, uh, it's an interesting thing that they're being priced as if they are a lock to be as bad as they were last year. When I think the the most likely scenario, just in, in sheer regression, they were 31st in total plays last year. There's a lot of things that will you would expect to regress. I mean, even if they're not good, they might be 25th in total plays, right? They might have some more things going right for them. And so th- that's sort of what I would say is the most likely scenario. And then it's like the the really bad outcome is where they're the same as they were last year. But they're being drafted like that that bad outcome is the the only outcome the, you know the most likely outcome and there's not even necessarily upside from it which is sort of silly because the upside is what, what if they're a league average offense all of these guys are going to be good good values at adp but maybe not real real upside real ceiling so um that that path might be a little harder to see but i do think zach wilson is, is very interesting late especially if you've gone with you know a more stable mid-round quarterback maybe you started with a ryan Tannehill or a matthew stafford or something then yeah, take a zach wilson late yeah, I think the the point there that you made, which is probably the issue, is simply that uh, value may be not the main consideration with a team like the Jets. It's upside. And so people are, are kind of fading that element of it. We're coming back around, Ben. I was hoping that we would be able to get Tyler Bass, even though that's optimistic at the end of round 19, after a lot of teams have needed to start taking their kickers. We're now looking at the kicker in defense. This isn't the most fun part of the draft, but getting a kicker in a good offense can really help you. And then a defense with a good matchup in round uh, in week one, those two things, I, I can't, I mean, the number of matchups won or lost last year coming down to the kicker in defense, I mean, every week it matters, right? And so you need to have some exposure to explosiveness at kicker and you need your defense <laughs> to be playing a team that is bad exposure to explosiveness at kicker that's the kind of take you get on stealing bananas we are now up eight kickers are off the board matt prater is there from my understanding our friend denny carter says matt prater is an absolute smash kicker this year that's what uh, that's via 
our other friend Pat Crane. So that's that that's that would be my pick. I don't know a lot about kickers. Right. Well, streaming kicker uh, Stefan LeCoe really uh, stands by it. He's my streaming kicker guru, and we're gonna go with our guys here, right? I mean, it wouldn't be right to Denny to not take Matt Prater. We get the exposure to the Arizona Cardinals offense, which uh, the most important thing in the draft that we haven't really accomplished here. Well, I mean, we, we do have James Conner. So now we have the Arizona bet that they're a run-heavy field goal kicking team. <laughs> that's how we see the playing season playing out. So that's your bold prediction. The, yeah. the Cardinals are going to either score one-yard touchdown plunges or kick field goals. We don't need to worry about DeAndre Hopkins and his lack of green zone targets this season that will be a relief since that was the least fun part of the 2020 the 2020 season <laughs> but coming back around here the 49ers defense has not been selected i know they lose their guru but they've got a lot of good players they've got an offense that's going to score a lot of points and they have the detroit lions who uh, most people do not seem extremely high on the detroit lions that would be their week one matchup I'm, I'm all about it. I, I've been taking the Panthers in every draft, so I haven't really been doing a lot of additional defense research. They're ranked number three on this on this board. I mean, let's do it. I mean, they have some good players, for sure. They do. They do. We've got to wait through two teams. Mark Ingram has just been drafted. You know that you're going to regret taking Baker Mayfield when Mark Ingram was still on the board. I mean, unless someone takes a second, a second defense. Trent Sherfield's off the board. These guys already have defenses, so I'm hopeful that we'll get our, our favorite option here. I, and then, for me, defense is always about the schedule. That's why I've liked the Panthers. Their schedule is very good the first three weeks, but when you sit there and talk about the 49ers being potentially a top defense and getting the Lions in week one, it's it's almost impossible to to not to get some exposure to that. Got to get that explosive upside at defense, right? Yes, ex yes, exactly. And it's almost something where I want to Google like all of the San Francisco defensive players to find out if they were all injured today, because otherwise, even in round 20, it doesn't really make sense. Even if for... they were, we're getting Jared Goff in a new offense in week one. So we'll play him and stream them if, if, if they put out a second second string unit. Okay. Okay. Good deal. So we don't have to Google the 49ers. We do have them as the conclusion to our team. And yeah, then we need to start getting our, our free agent uh, queue lined up to see how we want to take advantage of Baker Mayfield here. I'm getting my vacation home properties lined up. I'm not getting my free agent queue lined up. I'm, I mean, I'm looking at this roster and saying, do I want to live, is it Florida or Arizona, California? I mean, where, where do I want to buy a nice vacation property? I've been looking at New Zealand. And oh, so that's, yeah, that's a good idea. They, they seem I'm to be not taking sure. this very seriously. Right. So you've, You've predicted that we need to buy new homes and that we're going to finish 12th. So you definitely have a wide range. Yeah. Right. The base is covered there. Uh, no one can come back to you and say you didn't predict the outcome of this season. Right. That's, I mean, that's always been my MO. Got, got to hedge <laughs> all the way across the board. Hey, everybody. This is Dave Cabin from the RotoViz flagship podcast. Just stopping by to say thank you for listening to RotoViz Radio. We're offering our listeners a special 10% discount when they use the promo code RVRADIO2021 at checkout. 
Again, that's 10% off a one-year subscription when you use the promo code RVRADIO2021. Thanks for listening and keep on tuning in. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Tell me your favorite pick in this draft. I'm going to say Justin Fields. It was one of our hardest picks to pass up Burrow, but I don't have Fields yet in a main. And I I am so in on Justin Fields. I watched a lot of his preseason. It's a very small sample, everything you want to say about that. I'm not just sort of reading the other reports that were positive. I, I felt very positively from the moment that I was watching him live. I think he has everything you need in quarterback upside. I think there's a possibility, especially watching Andy Dalton as well, by comparison, was not very good. I think there's a possibility field starts as soon as week two. I don't think that's necessarily the likely scenario, but if Dalton struggles week one, and they do have a, I believe they're, they're playing the Rams week one, they have kind of a tough matchup. And then if he's struggling early in week two, we might see fields by halftime of week two. And if we get that, and then he looks good, and he just takes off from there, you basically have, you know, the sort of the Justin Herbert season from last year or, or whatever upside you want to put on it. I mean, I think he could legitimately be a, a top five quarterback the rest of the way. We have him in the 13th round with a roster that, at that point that was already really strong with seven receivers, two tight ends we really like, three running backs that we think was a really solid start to our running back build. I like that we have that bet on fields there. I do as well. It, it would have been great if Burrow had come back. But the next question I was going to ask you would be like, what would you do differently? And this draft played out so magically. I mean, it really is that question of, well, we could have gone with Burrow and try to see if Fields would come back. He might've been a less appealing kind of fit with Justin Herbert on that team's roster. Probably not, right? One of the, one of the teams in that group is going to make that, play the only other one that kind of stands out to me and it stands out because it's kind of humorous in its own way is that i might go in and flip out jamar chase and put in lavisca chenault and, and the reason why you know that's kind of a funny one is that we would be then talking about taking someone with an early seventh round adp in round five in order to make sure we got him i, I do think that i would like the team slightly better that way but it is something where you know we have some other chenault shares probably too much even and chase is a big upside play there because we didn't get chanel coming back around we got chase claypool who again uh, a little bit of an adp value we're not talking about big 
ADP gains. But when you're drafting out of the nine slot, all of these four or five pick gains do help you get back some of that value that you lose to the top people. You know, we can't complain at all about our draft slot with the way that this worked out because Tyreek Hill, I mean, he may be the best pick available in the entire draft, right? And we, we love Kamara at this point. He went at the 104. Travis Kelsey does some of those same, same things, gives you the positional advantage. But, you know, later we were able to get Hawkinson. We were able to get Komet. Those are two bets kind of in the same direction, have that breakout potential. And we didn't have to overpay dramatically for either one. Hawkinson at a discount. Komet, we have to pick a little bit early because of where he goes, but he could go anywhere in that range. And based on our own boards, that's still a very good discount on him. The structure works nicely. I think the other thing there, and I do want to get your take on if there's a pick you would change here. We didn't we didn't have a lot of debate uh, on most of these because again, it just it, it went so perfectly as the draft progressed. But I also kind of wanted to mention this idea of modified zero running back. We've got a full show on that. Anybody who's missed that, I think it's fun evergreen content. It goes into the topic in a little bit different way than you tend to hear, you know, on Twitter and some other things of that nature. One of the reasons why we do call it modified zero RB, and certainly I have no problem at all for anybody calling it anything else, you can call it what makes the most sense to you. But then when we look at the first nine rounds here, and we have seven wide receivers, we think seven elite wide receivers, TJ Hawkinson, and then we have Harris in there kind of as the one guy. We were taking the principles of zero running back and just moving that one RB in there to give us that upside that also works out nicely. Yeah, I mean, I think you could have taken Harris out of this build and it would have been a true zero RB build, right? And, and obviously, for some people, that changes everything. For me, it doesn't. When you say what pick, like, I'm like, if we were to say what pick I'm most scared about, it's very clearly the Najee Harris pick. I love every other pick in this draft, but we have to have Najee Harris be very good. If he's just a, you know, a 15 point per game running back, just say just that obviously has value, but if he is just that, we're not going to necessarily love that we have him on this team. I think some people say, "Well, yeah, now you're still going to have your, your your first running back slot locked up." But I mean, I think we could get pretty close to that with the James Conner Singletary pick. Certainly, if we had done that, we would have taken more running backs in those middle rounds. So we would have, you know, Conner Singletary, maybe like an AJ Dillon or something a little bit earlier. It would have been tough to do given the receivers that fell to us in these various spots. But maybe in the eighth round where we took Michael Gallup, we would have taken A.J. Dillon instead. And and there's a lot of pass where A.J. Dillon, if, if Aaron Jones were to miss some time, winds up looking like a 15-point-per-game player in my mind. So the Harris pick is the one that I actually am most concerned about. Philosophically, what we were doing was exactly what, what the whole point of Zero RB is, which is to have – ton of firepower at wide receiver, a ton of upside at wide receiver, a ton of depth in that upside as well, so that we can really have that chance to have all of those top 15 wide receivers, as you like to say, six. We have a, a very strong chance of doing that, I think, with, with the eight that we have on our roster. And then we have the Hawkinson potential positional differentiator. We have the Fields potential differentiator. If he is as good as I was just saying, this is a roster that almost without running back points could be very, very, very good. And so in that regard, what we were doing, what we were thinking and how we went about it is the same as zero RP. 
obviously people that focus very much on those six letters, as I said back on that show, um, that was a July 31st show. If anyone wants to go back, I've been asked about it more than anything else that we've done this offseason. And so I, I know the exact date, July 31. That's the day you're going to find that that episode. If we, uh, or, or the point I made on that show was the, this idea of those six letters, the, the zero RB. I mean, people are really harping on the idea that if you take a running back in the second round, there, there's not zero RBs. What are you thinking? That, that's the, It can't possibly be any version of zero RB. All right, I get that. If we want to be semantical and we want to be very, very technical, but the the point of zero RB was never that. And we talked about this a lot on that episode. It's anti-fragility. It's this concept of wide receiver depth and explosiveness and upside. It's this concept of winning every other spot, winning the flexes, certainly also winning at QB and tight end to the extent that you can without sacrificing that wide receiver upside. Najee Harris is the pick here for me that is like, I mean, if he's good, then then that's awesome. But <laughs> there's... There's arguments that he's not that much different of a profile than some of the the later running backs that we could have taken instead, and like like the AJ Dillon or what have you. Obviously, people are going to scoff at that because AJ Dillon doesn't have the the guaranteed touches right away from week one. But things break, chaos happens at the running back position, and so that's sort of the point I'm making is that you can build a team when you're trying to win a massive tournament like this. Especially, you can build a team that is zero RB that gets that type of running back upside later. And, and this team would be just as good if it had Justin, like we had the Najee Harris, Michael Gallup versus Justin Jefferson, AJ Dillon, two V two. I don't, I don't think we sacrifice anything to do that. And, and philosophically, I actually might like that better. Yeah. So you're giving us the, the, well, the B minus because we did take a, a running back early. Trey Sermon at six instead of Claypool, I think would be interesting, even though Claypool, you know, the massive upside and the little bit of an ADP discount. If you put Sermon in there, if he's the rookie who breaks out to the huge season and you have DK Metcalf or Justin Jefferson in round two instead of Harris, then, uh, I mean, you're you're looking at more upside there or you're looking at more wide receiver points in terms of how that plays out. Okay, so we've, we, we love our roster. We have mentioned some areas that we could do differently. We may have, you know, we may play again. And if the past is any indicator we may have the ninth pick again but uh so we can make those adjustments ben uh some of the other teams here i always look at the christian mccaffrey team the next running back they selected was actually trey sermon they selected trey sermon and ronald jones in seven and eight so we kind of like that uh some upside with pitts some conservatism with the keaton allen julio jones adam Thielen, odell beckham start they uh, one of the things that we hate to see is a team that goes Christian McCaffrey and then pretty wide receiver heavy thoughts on that one compared to the one Oh two, where that team also only has one running back in the first seven rounds. That would be Joe Mixon in round three. And even though we don't necessarily believe in Mixon and think that the Bengals offense may be better for passing in 2021 might be a year away, maybe 2022 is the year where a running back there is going to score a huge number of points. The other thing though, it's just, be a year early. Don't be a year late. A year late, you have no value. You're just chasing points. If they're a year early, Mixon could be the stud. So that team, Travis Kelsey, A.J. Brown, Mixon, D.J. Moore, uh, Deontay Johnson, Tyler Boyd, Tyler Higby, and then A.J. Dillon. I'm going to guess that any team, regardless of anything else that they do, that has A.J. Brown and D.J. Moore, you are making the league favorite. Yeah, I, I'm excited about that team, especially they also have A.J. Dillon, as you noted. I think for not being particularly deep at receiver, they did a very good job with with Brown, Moore, Deontay Johnson, Tyler Boyd, Elijah Moore. 
in the 10th as their fifth receiver. They got Emmanuel Sanders late, Rashad Bateman late as a hold. That team could have some good wide receiver production. Also has Hertz and Lance at QB, certainly some QB upside. And so, yeah, that team could be very good. One, one other thing that I think is interesting is in this draft, you know, I'm always looking at sort of, you know, who, who did the early tight end starts? I, if those guys have massive ceilings, and, and that was a Travis Kelsey team that we just talked about, the A.J. Brown, D.J. Moore team. The Darren Waller drafter took George Kittle in the second round, uh, took Allen Robinson, Godwin, Ayuk, Miles Sanders, Antonio Brown, Raheem Mostert, Gordon, goes on to take many running backs before going back to receiver very late to T.Y. Hilton. So only has Allen Robinson, Godwin, Ayuk, Antonio Brown, and T.Y. Hilton. I think that seems very thin at receiver, obviously going to be playing two tight ends every week. The other note I was going to make was the the team in the three spot who, who took some of our receiver favorites, took CeeDee Lamb, T. Higgins, and Jerry Judy. But then the only other receivers this team has are Darnell Mooney, Brian Edwards, Nelson Aguilar. Definitely going to have to hit on those three receivers. Started with Dalvin Cook and Nick Chubb took Chase Edmonds and then Sonny Michelle and then Leonard Fournette all before round 10 had five running backs in the first 10 rounds. Sometimes I like to see uh, some of the players that we really like going to rosters. If they're not going to go to us that we don't necessarily really like the build, you know, to your point about the Christian McCaffrey team, if that McCaffrey team had, you know, Higgins and Judy instead of Julio and Thielen, I'd be a lot more concerned about the McCaffrey team and you know, sort of vice versa, or that same point could apply to the number three team if, if the Lamb, Higgins, and Judy picks had been paired with some other strong receiver bets, a little bit more firepower at QB and tight end and things like that, then I'd be a little bit more concerned about that roster. I'm not saying we're for sure going to win this league or anything, but I do look around this room, and I don't see a lot of builds that I think are are really scary to me. And And that's, you know, the kind of thing that if anyone in this league is listening, they're going to they're going to let me know in my Twitter mentions if we don't win this league. But that's sort of what happens whenever we were talking about how everything sort of fell our way. We got a lot of guys that we wanted at the prices we wanted because of that. There's a lot of other picks that weren't the picks that we would necessarily make. And so it will be fun to track this. We're definitely going to own up to it if, if this team doesn't crush, but I'm liking, I'm liking what we did. Yeah. And you mentioned that it's always tricky when we do, the sort of post-draft recap i've been in a ton of situations where in the post-draft recap i'm given like the ninth 10th 11th 12th position on a team that i know is the favorite to win and so simply somebody else out there even if it's us saying that your team is not good i mean if you had reasons behind who you picked then you should be excited about that i mean you don't need to worry that you know a couple of guys said your team isn't very good we want to have humility Going into this, we know that things can break in a lot of different directions and, and just injuries too. You know, you have a couple injuries at the beginning and suddenly your team is very different. Now, the depth that we have at the position that matters is built to address that. So I think that our floor, and one of the things that people get mixed up on is this idea of floor versus ceiling and where the risk is. This wide receiver heavy build is not a risky build, right? It's a conservative build that we're also searching for a lot of upside with. You mentioned the team that started Waller, Kittle, Robinson Godwin I I love the teams that go tight end heavy early I love the teams that this team only has one running back in the first six rounds but people do ask they're like Sean you know how do you do zero running back incorrectly or I did it last year and it wasn't that fun I didn't win the teams didn't have the upside I thought they were going to have 
things didn't progress through the season the way that I thought that they were. Every once in a while, someone's pretty mad. Usually people are, are just, you know, genuinely asking like, you know, what could I do differently? And the thing that I tell people is, you know, you probably didn't draft enough wide receivers. You probably weren't aggressive enough at running back in terms of, again, making these kind of contingency-based plays. Now, the backs selected here, Sanders, Mostert, Gordon, I think those are pretty good values. One of the concerns that I do have, though, is you're drafting backs who probably have declining value as the season progresses as opposed to rising value. That doesn't necessarily fit what we want. When I'm drafting a zero RB type of team, I want all of the players kind of pulling in the same direction, uh, gaining ground, as opposed to because I drafted running backs later, kind of losing value. Now, I mean, Miles Sanders, Raheem Mostert, those two guys could be very solid starters the whole way. So there's no guarantee that they're losing ground. The prices on it are pretty good. I would have liked to have seen more upside with the late picks. So kind of Madison, Penny, Malcolm Brown, Devontae Booker. I mean, Malcolm Brown, Devontae Booker, are there scenarios where they really break into scoring a lot of points? Uh, one of the most important articles that I wrote last year was talking about if you get one of these picks that is just simply lower scoring, you have to be aggressive in playing the wide receiver, wide receiver. You're getting a shot at the wide receiver stars, and those guys are going to score more points for you. You also take them away from the teams who got a higher value draft slot than you got. You can't afford to be chasing points when you're out of position to chase points and when the structure is going to build more downside into your draft. So one of the things here that I think is a little bit unfortunate for some of the teams is that the people in 7 to 12 outside of us, those are the teams that are actually pretty running back heavy. I just I don't think it's a great area to do that. I mean, we like zero RB, we like modified zero RB, but I have written, if, if anybody really likes the show, but just doesn't like that construction, uh, I have a number of articles out on Rotoviz about how you can go running back heavy early and still accomplish some of the objectives that I have in drafts. And so I don't want anybody to think that if they read Rotoviz, they're not going to get any help in a different direction, or that there's not going to be any creativity or any flexibility in terms of how we approach fantasy football there's other good content for you there approach it in different ways my concern would be that these teams who didn't get the great draft slots didn't really approach that part of it the way that i would do it sort of even if you want to be a little bit running back heavy yeah it's really and again we we're talking about which teams we we like or don't like and i was i was commenting on on the fact that i don't know that there's a lot of teams here that i'm particularly scared of it's really interesting that we were the only team in this entire draft that took two receivers in the first three rounds. And we took Najee Harris at 204. This was not a, a wide receiver heavy build for us. This was actually the opposite of that. <laughs> you know, typically we'd be closer to taking three receivers in the first three rounds than only one. Certainly there'll be some times where we might take a, an early tight end and an early running back, but then we're just hammering receiver. What happened in this draft we got McLaurin all the way back at 309 because none of the other teams took more than one in the first eight spots or then behind us at 10, 11, or 12. None of them took two receivers in the first three rounds. And then as the draft progressed, after our 3-4 our, our turn, we did see a lot of receivers go, and that's where the 5-6 turn was a little tricky. You mentioned maybe we should have taken Chenault at, or if we could you know, go back in time, we might take Chenault at 509. We ended up with Chase and Claypool there. That was the one turn that was a little bit – you know, not in line with what we were, were hoping for in an ideal world. But we continue to get all of our receiver targets at good prices in part because even though nobody took one receiver, 
more than one receiver in the first couple of rounds. There's only a few teams that then went hard at, at receiver after that. And you, you mentioned the, the teams in the one and two spot right away. Those are the ones that did go receiver, receiver, receiver in, in three, four, and five. But then both of them went away from receiver in each of seven, eight, nine, even though they only had four. And so they're maybe a little thinner than you'd like to be. The, the drafter with the two tight ends that we brought up went receiver, receiver, receiver in three, four, and five, but then immediately went away from it with only one receiver in the next 10 rounds. Again, you, 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 where you run into trouble, I think, is you don't take enough receivers. <laughs> and, yeah. And, and redraft and best ball have a lot of similarities, a lot of overlap. You can take a lot of insights from our best ball tools, which are absolutely fantastic. Mike Beers built and Dave Cabin, Anthony Shook maintaining those. Lots of cool stuff on them. Uh, there are differences, so I don't want to necessarily say that it won't work in redraft, but one of the things we do see is after the range where we started, where we stopped drafting receivers, you have this wide receiver dead zone, right? And I think the fact that there are exciting names in that stretch gets people more confident than they should be. And we're not saying don't draft those guys, and we like Elijah Moore, we like Rondell Moore. I mean, there are fun players, but you can't count on production from that range. If you're going to rely on that range, you've got to have a lot of guys, and so that's one of the reasons why, you know, we like to get the really high value running backs in that range. It's both a weak spot for wide receiver. It's a strong spot for running back, but also it's something just when you're looking at the overall numbers on your build, you need to know where you got them. If you have run, wide receiver volume outside the first nine rounds, you've got to look at that very differently than wide receiver volume in the first nine rounds. And so I think those excellent points that you have there, Ben, <sighs> And just looking at that round nine cutoff, even though we started with only two receivers in our first four picks, by round nine, we had seven receivers. We went right back to the receiver well, five straight picks. There's no one else in this draft that had more than four. And again, we could be wrong. You know, I, 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 I maybe I don't sound like that. I, I, I do believe that you can win with a thinner receiver build if you really hit everything. I mean, my really good team last year, I've gone back and looked at it. I've mentioned it a few times I finished top 20 was thinner at receiver than I ever really want to be in part because of, you know, drafting with co-owners and, and, and being a little flexible, but we did hit on Stefan Diggs and Will Fuller and Brandon Ayuk late. And, and when you hit on everything, it, it can work. It's not, it's not an impossible structure. And I just want to acknowledge all that, but you mentioned that round nine cutoff. I think that's the really important point. And, and, and that's the point that we really harp on sort of, the Will Fuller, Jarvis Landry, you know, drop off. We earlier in the offseason we we're talking about Debo and Visca and those guys. Those guys have risen. You don't see a lot of the guys that were going above there falling very far. There's maybe a few names, and we, and we certainly have the the Rondales and the Elijahs that are really interesting. The only other drafter that did that actually or got more than four receivers in the first nine rounds was the 12 spot at, at 9.12 took their fifth receiver. But that's already probably too late, you know, and, and so. And, and the nine ten turn for him is is Hardman and Gage, and again, I mean, we're going to be wrong on a lot of our player picks. I don't think that the volume is there for Hardman to be around nine guy. I don't think that the explosiveness is there for Gage to be around ten guy. And so, you know, maybe those work, but it, it's not just that you have enough receivers. You got to have that right wide receiver profile. Yeah. So this was a fun one. Our final team was Najee Harris. James Conner, Devin Singletary, Darrington Evans, and Jarek McKinnon at running back. Our quarterbacks are Justin Fields, and then we did take the two late, Fitzpatrick and Mayfield. 
our receive our tight ends I'll say are Hawkinson and, and Cole Komet. We got Prater and the San Francisco defense very late. And our receivers are the strength of our team. Tyreek Hill, Terry McLaurin, Jamar Chase, Chase Claypool, Debo Samuel, Michael Gallup, Will Fuller, and KJ Hamler. I'm very, very excited about this team. Yeah, this was a lot of fun. We thank the FFPC for putting together such a great contest. And yeah, the the other 11 drafters, good luck to all of you. We hope that one of the teams that wins the, or the team that wins the $500,000 comes out of our draft. And for all Stealing Bananas listeners, we appreciate so much the community that we've built with you guys. We'll have a lot of great in-season content. We'll have some news on exactly how we'll do that uh, coming out shortly. And until we talk to you again, uh, I'm Sean Siegel with me as always is Ben Gretsch. You can follow him at Yards Per Gretsch. He's had a ton of great content depending on when you are listening to this. He'll have even more uh, stuff that comes out between now and when this actually releases, but he's got his second year wide receiver article out. You always want to read that. He's got his high value touch article out if you're trying to figure out what's important at the running back position you can't do better than to check out stealing signals the best newsletter on the planet it will help you with these final drafts it will get you set for weeks one weeks two weeks three everybody tells us they tell me you know i won my draft because i had stealing signals in the first couple of weeks i made the waiver wire plays i won my league as a result the draft is just the start right you're going to win your league in waivers ben will help you do that we have a ton of fantastic content on Rotoviz. We've got the game level similarity projections that Dave Cabin does. Blair and I do lots and lots of work on the zero running back watch list. We have a ton of great new writers who will be doing things all the time. People tell us, you know, look, you know, we want to subscribe, but we need that route information. We need that tackle, broken tackle information. Rotoviz is going to have that this season. So you don't need to figure out how you're going to spread your money. We'll get you across the finish line with all of those stats that you want and a lot of great in-season articles. If you want a discount to Rotoviz, and if you were listening to Pete the other night, he claims we're already the best value on the internet. Uh, maybe. I mean, if, if Pete is that correct, and Pete is the guy, right? I mean, he he does know and hit you with the absolute perfect information. We may have to double, triple the prices sometime soon, but until then, I guess we're the best value, and you can get 10% off by using the code RV Radio 2021 at checkout. Uh, please subscribe to our feed here at Stealing Bananas. We love you guys for doing that. The ratings and reviews we've gotten are out of this world. We can't thank you enough. Uh, please do that if you haven't and get a chance. Until we talk to you again, dominate those last wraps. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. 
the trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.